You're listening to Healing with Purpose, a show that brings you wholehearted conversations for self-healers with your hosts, Lydia and Sarah. We're just two gals in our 30s trying to figure out our own selves while also trying to help others in our day jobs as counselors. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of Healing with Purpose. Today, we have a really special guest with us today, Cara Wood, and she was made in Mexico, born in New Mexico, and raised in California by a first-generation Southern Italian-American single mother who instilled in her early on, music and books are important, and we are all abolitionists. Cara means black in Turkish, beloved in Italian, and friend in Irish. She is a mother and an animist folk herbalist who helps folks deepen and activate the ancestral connections inside their bodies. Cara believes that we hold the ancestor realm inside our bodies, that the elements, the plants, the trees, and mushrooms are all our ancestors, and it all comes down to an energy exchange. Epigenetics, mythology, and living folk culture direct and inform her work. She is committed to collective liberation, reparations, and rematriation, shifting culture away from white supremacy, away from injustices and intolerances. Cara holds a BFA in fine art and documentary photography and was part of the very first Sisemana cohort ancestral apothecaries three-year clinical herbal certification program. We are so happy to have Cara with us today. She has a very unique perspective and voice um, as an herbalist, and we're so excited to have her on the show. So take a listen. Hi, Cara. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. We're so, so, so happy to have you on the podcast today. Um, I personally have been looking forward to this conversation since I reached out to you in January. Um, And just the little bit that we have planned for today, I'm just, I'm excited to have this conversation and I'm excited for people to to be able to absorb and listen to all the goodness that's going to come out of today. Thank you. It's really an honor. Awesome. Well, I wanted to provide a little bit of background. Um, Cara, I met you... Um, I want to say in, in January of 2021, maybe, I think that's when it was, you had put together a presentation. It was ancestral healing for white folks. And I had taken the training. It was the two hour training and really learned a lot. And I immediately loved your presence. I loved kind of, you talked about plants as medicine and, you know, connecting to nature. And I was like, I want to know her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I felt just a really a sort of a deep affinity for kind of where you were coming from. And I think um, in the fall, I I met with you and we did an ancestral healing session, which um, I hope you'll share a little bit with our listeners today about kind of what that is and and if they're interested in accessing it, where they can find you. But I did that session with you and it was super powerful and there are still practices that I'm implementing from that conversation that were really helpful and meaningful. So um, so thank you for being here with us and thank you for how you've helped me in my journey so far. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's, it's a pleasure. And it's really wonderful to know that. As Lydia, when she has kind of told me a little bit about you and and the work that you do, I'm I'm really curious about how did you get into this type of work? Hmm. Well, um, I think it was sort of, this has been part of who I am my whole life, but it didn't really manifest in this way until later on in my life. Um, 
I always have been around plants. My parents had a garden. My father was a farmer. My mom always um, had plants around. And that's definitely part of my lineage. But I didn't really think of myself as a plant person until um, I was maybe in my 30s um, or late 20s. And um, I studied art. I went to art school. And then um, I really felt a calling to study herbalism. And um, it very much was ancestral for me. I felt my ancestors guiding me, specifically uh, my Italian, Southern Italian ancestors, um, saying, you need to study your ancestral medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, I listened, you know, I got this message and I, and I listened and I um, went through a wonderful uh, program here in Oakland where I live at Ancestral Apothecary. It was a three-year clinical herbalism program, and I just feel so blessed that I was kind of, it just aligned perfectly. I was the first cohort um, of this wonderful program, and it changed my life, you know? And so then just um, I incorporated what I've always sort of been feeling and, and working on my own, my ancestral healing journey, which has been pretty much lifelong. Um, and so I really started incorporating that into my herbalism, which was very much the school that I attended. Ancestral Apothecary um, integrates that in any way, but that's just really what feels to me um, that, that that's me, like blending the ancestral connection and um, veneration that I have and have always practiced with plant medicine. What's so beautiful. I think as a a woman in her early to mid thirties, it's so nice to hear you say, like, I found this around that time in my life because mm -hmm. I always have this nagging voice in the back of my head. That's like, it's too late for you. And I know that that's terrible. And I know it's like that negative piece of me, but it's nice it to hear. So <laughs> it's nice to hear. Cause in some ways I feel like at this time in my life, I'm actually finding myself, but like society around me is like, you should have figured this out a long time ago. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I love how you, picked up these different messages along your journey and then you found a way to like mold them together into what made sense for you and I perceive that it takes a lot of strength and courage to move forward with a path when we're not totally sure what that path is and where it's going and I love just that you have embodied that and found your way through it mm, thank you <laughs> that's beautiful so um so yeah so tell us a little bit about you know, ancestors and connection. And we, we had a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago about um, Encanto and ancestral trauma. And we really wanted this to be a follow-up episode for our community around, you know, if you started to become aware of your ancestral lineage and maybe some of the, the joys and the hurts that have happened and, you know, uh, migrations, kind of where do we go? And so I'd love to hear your perspective from your teachings of, you know, what are some options? What are some ways to deepen that for people? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> it's such a big topic. I know. <laughs> Discussing this. So uh, bear with me if I go a few different tangents. But um, I think really, I begin with, um, I feel like the ancestors are the great orchestrators. Like these are our guides, and these are um, our protectors. And these are the ones that made us. And so um, we hold so much information in our bodies from them 
Um, but then culturally, sort of like what you all were talking about in the Encanto episode is like, there's so many layers to this. There's the way that we're raised, what we're told um, are our roles or our positions in family, society, gender roles, all these things. And then, um, and then there's how we feel and what we know in our bodies. Mm. <laughs> and those don't always align. Um, and that's when I think that's kind of um, ways to, to understand ourselves um, is that these, these voices are, are present within us, right? Mm -hmm. Our ancestral voices are present within us. And sometimes it's confusing because the outside mm -hmm. um, messages maybe don't align with that because um, of fear, of trauma, all these different um, cultural. Like modern, modern, things. like, I don't want to call them diseases, but I think of like all the noise around us in our modern lives that cause us not to connect to those deeper parts of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Through dissociation, through staring at phones or being on computers all day. And I think that that, that disconnects us so much from this deeper knowledge that we hold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, of which it's become such, so normalized for people to like, you know, cope by distracting themselves more than yeah. like cope by understanding ourselves. And so I think that that's like such a, like a big difference of, of when we talk about, like you were saying, dissociating versus like starting to understand ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think um, for me, a big piece of this, and, and, and again, you, you tapped on this in the Encanto uh, episode, is that um, when our trauma isn't witnessed, like when the energy, um, that we're around isn't witnessed, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Energy never goes away. It just transforms into something else and builds into something else. And so I think this is a lot of like ancestral, um, just acknowledgement, mm -hmm. you know, um, understanding the layers that we hold, understanding that um, maybe if our parents or grandparents didn't talk about something, we still know mm -hmm. it happened. <laughs> Even if we don't know what happened, we still know something happened. We can still feel it. Um, and it, and it dictates so much of how we, um, perceive the world, how we perceive our survival. Um, so I don't know if that answers what it does. And I, and I love how you said that like energy, it transforms into something else. Like if it's not witnessed and it's not released, it, it almost feels like it like the burden just transforms into something else for the next generations. And that's much of what clinically we share with our clients about what ancestral trauma is. It's like this unreleased wound is being passed down generation to generation. And we know that epigenetically it's three generations is typically where we see that play out. And I love hearing you say that like there is a way to release it. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that from you is, is it, you know, I know you mentioned veneration and, and, you know, sort of ritualistic practices, like, you know, it, for somebody who wants to be the generation that heals some of this, which I think many people our age are in that place where mm -hmm. they're like, we want to be the cycle breakers. We want to do something different, but we don't always have the knowledge or tools to know what that is and where to begin. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Um, well, I think plants, ancestral plants are such a fantastic gentle and powerful way to um, work with trauma, work with healing, work with communication. Um, 
I believe that when we work with ancestral plants, we are kind of holding three different time uh, experiences at once because mm-hmm. we're working with plants that our ancestors recognized and knew and worked with and, and received as medicine or were in relationship with on the land, then our ancestral bodies recognize it, recognize that plant as medicine. And then our present body, like who we are right now in this body is receiving that medicine and, and um, receiving the, the relationship with the plant. And then our future self is going to be benefiting from this relationship mm-hmm. and this, um, whether it's taking the medicine like um, internally or just being with ancestral plants. It doesn't even just have to be eating it or drinking it. It can be just being with our trees or mm. you know whoever. So that to me is really powerful is that we can hold those three places in time mm-hmm. at once when we're working with ancestral plants, ancestral realm and um, kind of reality is not linear, not the same linear time that we experience or that we perceive that we're experiencing now. So I would say plants, you know, are a beautiful way to begin and even just uh, communicating or tending to a relationship with one plant. Um, doesn't have to be all the plants, but just kind of finding an ally or support, <clears throat> excuse me, that you know your, your grandmothers mm-hmm. um, were with. And, and if you're adopted and you don't know who your biological people are, that's okay too. Um, our plants are ancestors either way, you know, like these plants can still support us. It doesn't matter if we know, you know, the exact location or the exact name of our ancestors, anything like that. I think that it transcends. So would it be fair to say that somebody could look up if they knew their heritage, if they had, you know, the privilege of knowing that information, they could look up where their ancestors came from, research the plants and, and start there. I would also think that like I remember my grandmother loved hydrangeas I don't know that there's any like ancestral connection to hydrangeas but when I think of her I always think of that plant and so I wonder is that like another way to honor that is to think of an ancestor that was maybe attached to something like that and continue that relationship in your own way yes yes absolutely I don't think there's one way you know I think that's beautiful if if there's if there was that connection in that relationship that's really all we need to know. Mm-hmm. I know? remember, um, Cara, when you and I did our ancestral healing session, I think you asked me something like, what what plants were I, was I drawn to? Was that one of the questions that you mm-hmm. asked me? And I remember no one had ever asked me that before my whole life. What plants was I drawn to? And I, I just stopped for a second and thought, wow, I don't even know. And and when I when I dug deeper... I started to notice that there were plants that I was drawn to or, or certain parts of nature, certain trees, but I had never in my mind made an intentional thought process to think that through. And, mm. and I, I think a lot of people are like that. We just don't, we just don't stop and pause to think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious too about, um, you know, if there are listeners that, you know, working with people, it's like, I am not good at plants, or I often kill them, or I'm just not good <laughs> at watering them. How do you start with 
people like that because you know, mm. I have been that. Sarah's asking time. this question. This, <laughs> this is just for Sarah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, literally I like in our office that we work in, any of the plants I have to take care of because Sarah and our other partner, Hillary, were like, we will kill anything that you bring into this office. And I try. I really, really do. I just don't know. Like my husband yeah. and I decided to be very intentional, like on his birthday last year and like really plant things and take care of them. But it just did not work <laughs> out. And so I'm just curious, like where you start. That's okay. <clears throat> You're not alone. Um, it's, it's okay. And there's so many ways to be with plants. It doesn't mean you have to be the one growing them. You know, we don't all do everything. You have your gifts that you're, you know, that you're offering to the world. And so I would uh, start with a farmer's market, you know, and try to maybe get, and this depends on the season and, you know, where we are obviously, but if you can find a grower that grows plants that you um, are drawn to, you can maybe get them from the farmer's market or get them from a, a grower that you know, that you have access to. If you do, supermarkets also sometimes are a place where we can find really powerful ancestral foods, um, or obviously plants, you know, that are food. And um, I think that you can also work with plants um, with flower essences. Um, and again, you don't have to make these. Um, I encourage people to make them if they want to, but you can also purchase them. And flower essences are a really wonderful, safe way for everyone to work with the energetics of a plant or a tree, or any, you could really make an essence of anything, but usually plants or trees. So um, yeah, I think that you don't have to grow the plant. Mm -hmm. You can also just go and sit at um, a place where someone else is growing them or a public place and sit with that plant mm -hmm. sit underneath that tree sit at that rose garden sit at the you know whatever resonates with you and you're still mm -hmm. cultivating a relationship with that spirit I think it's so interesting because my brain sometimes thinks really concretely and I'm like, okay, give me exactly what I need to do, Cara. Tell me exactly. Right. And I think what's so beautiful is you're like, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. You can go to a community garden and you can sit under the trees or you can go to the supermarket and get hydrangeas and put them in a vase because they remind you of your grandmother or you can take a bath with flower essences. Like I think mm -hmm. you're giving the, so much freedom in terms of like how to connect. And I think what I have found personally in my journey and even with some people I've worked with is so often the idea of where to start feels so overwhelming of, I think many of us are not as intuitive as we could be because of how our world has taught us to engage. And sometimes we need like a menu of things to kind of try and then we get curious and try those things and see which one feels the best to start to reconnect mm -hmm. that intuition. So I'm curious if you have, you know, some things that maybe you have found with people you've worked with or with yourself that are ways of connecting. Mm. With the plants? Mm -hmm, yeah. Well, I think food is a wonderful way, mm -hmm. you know, um, food is because hopefully we're all eating every day. And so it's something that we're going to do <laughs> regardless and not to put pressure on cooking because not everyone enjoys cooking or, or does cook. Um, but finding some sort of ancestral food mm -hmm. that we can prepare, um, enjoy, you know, even if it's a tea, mm -hmm. um, I think that is really powerful because when we prepare something that we know that our ancestors also prepared, 
that they also smelled and tasted and were kind of, you know, surrounding themselves with in that moment um, and then imprinted in their bodies and then continued, you know, to imprint along the, the generations. I think food is really a, a beautiful way to start and also music. I mean, we, it doesn't always have to be just plants. Music is a wonderful way to um, immerse ourselves in a kind of ancestral uh, memory. Mm -hmm. If we're listening to folk music or music that our ancestors knew or played or sang. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Sarah, can you think of any foods that like come to mind as like, like, like that have memories for you with parents or grandparents? Well, it was kind of interesting that you say that because when you were talking about it, we were having a conversation the other day with one of our fellow coworkers about just like entering the season of like Lent and how both of our grandmothers would cook like all this lentil food and like fish and lentils. And like we were talking about how they would cook it and this dish that they eat here, like capirotada, which is like a bread pudding and People add all this different stuff to it. And so we were kind of just sharing that the other day about, you know, this is the time for that. And our bodies are like, you know, craving that, that nourishment that our grandmothers gave us. Oh, I love that. That brings a great question that you just said, too, of like, I don't know, Cara, if you found this, but that during certain seasons, we might be attracted to different things because there are mm. these connections between maybe what was being harvested in that season or maybe what religious holiday and so we have these connections to food through seasons and that it's you know it's very mm -hmm. cyclical in nature sure i think eating seasonally can be a way of connecting with our ancestors just that you know but again that depends on what we have access to not everyone has access to the same um kind of foods but if we can eat seasonally absolutely because i think you're right lydia we we recognize that mm -hmm. we recognize the certain foods in the summer that are maybe um more like raw foods more fruit things that mm -hmm. um i mean i think probably many of us can sort of go into that place of, of childhood or a certain time in our life where you just have that really good like summer stone fruit or mm -hmm. strawberry or something that watermelon. you only have at that time of year watermelon yeah, yeah you only have it at that time of year yeah now we've we've really disconnected from so much of that we don't live that way anymore we can have access to almost everything all the time doesn't mean the quality is the same as if it were in season but we still have that access so it's it's different mm -hmm. but i think yeah it's kind of interesting to take it a step further because I'm relatively new to this these topics that you're discussing. And so I think um, like I, I was thinking about like one of my uncles who would always like serve us grapefruit when we were younger and I hated it. I hated the way it tasted. I was a kid. I would complain. <laughs> and now I love it. And often I'll say, you know, it reminds me of him. Um, but I think that as we're discussing it right now, taking it like a step deeper or a step further and saying, you know, I'm connected to him through this and that like this is how I'm maintaining that connection. It just feels really different in my body right now. Mm. So I appreciate yeah. that. Is it like a comfort or like a warmth? or Like, like a warmth. Like I yeah. wanted to cry. <laughs> like because it just felt like a connection to him in a way of like before it was just like a distant memory of like I hated it and now I like it, you know, but mm -hmm. it as we're discussing it right now, it feels much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And how beautiful that he introduced you to something that you came to appreciate later on in life. And so then you can like really um, see the gift that he gave you that, you know, he was showing you at the time that you weren't ready. Maybe your palate just <laughs> it was too sour or whatever, but I love that. 
I always think about with my grandmother, it's ham. Like there was never a family gathering where there wasn't a ham. Even if no one ate it, there was like a (laughs) ham in the fridge. And my grandmother would like obsessively be like, well, we can make sandwiches with it and we can warm it up and we can make a ham ham and bean soup afterwards. Like in her mind, (laughs) ham was like the most versatile family meal. So there was always ham, (laughs) everything, everywhere. And I don't really love ham anymore, but we we don't typically have ham at holidays because my husband is Jewish, but I... I, I always think about ham. So even if I'm not eating it, I'm thinking about like, you know, ham very fondly and how it reminds me of her. And I don't it's know. It's really cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think food is powerful. I mean, our sense memory, you know, our limbic system is so powerful and just the, the smell of ham or grapefruit or these certain things will take us in an instant to that connection mm-hmm. is in there- our brain. Does that include like, you know, water as well? Like, you know, if people grew up their ancestors around water and and my husband will always say like, it's in me, like I need to be around it. Like my soul is where water is. Like he says, he just Mm. knows it when he's around it. Is is that part of that? What you're also, does it expand to water? Sure. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I believe that, that water is, um, our like connector, communication connector on this planet. And water retains the memory that it has interaction with, or it retains the energy, right? That remembers the energy that it interacts with. These molecules bind to that energy and receive it. So um, all of our ancestors were with water, mm-hmm. the same water cycle that's still in existence now so um some of us feel it more i mean your husband's really drawn to water and that could be you know for lots of reasons it makes sense to me because i am too um but i think water is a wonderful way to to connect with our ancestors and to work on ancestral healing um because and i think lydia we talked about this maybe um when we like see those molecules as ones that our ancestors prayed to and saying to and received and you know went from into the sky and then came down through the clouds and to the, you know with the rain and the snow and then into the groundwater and into the rivers and through our bodies mm. like we are bodies of water so if we speak to water sing to water pray to water we're sending those prayers back into the water we can also do that when we drink water and then receive them into our body. Um, I think working with water is a really powerful way to um, just tap into that, you know, tap into that, the, the energies of the ancestors. I never ever thought before of this idea that like the water that we feel is also the same regenerated water that our ancestors felt. I've never thought of that before, but it, it feels strangely comforting like, you know, it was raining here this morning in El Paso where we live, which is really uncommon, but it's like, you know, when the water hits your face, it's like that is water that touched how many generations of my family. And what a beautiful thing. It's comforting. It feels mm-hmm. so comforting to think about it like that. Like to be so present with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, water's so amazing. I mean, I think there's lots of cultures that have been talking about this forever, but at some point we all knew this. We all were in communication with the water and um, whether it was the rivers or the ocean or however with the rain. Um, 
But yeah, you know, every single person, mm -hmm. these same molecules have passed through every animal. It's given life to every plant. Mm -hmm. This is a living ancestor. Cara, mm -hmm. could you share a little bit more about the different elements and the different ways that we can honor ancestors through the different elements? Sure. Um, well, plants, I think, is, you know, just being with the plants um, in whatever way it looks. Um, the element of earth can also include just lying our bodies down on the earth. Mm. Like that simple, just letting the earth hold us. Mm -hmm. um, walking barefoot on the earth. Um, just, you know, being with trees. All of those um, are really powerful. And then water, um, like a practice that I talk about a lot is first thing in the morning, getting a glass of water and just saying a prayer or saying something to it that you're going to receive back mm. into your body. And it could also be that you cry into the water. Mm. And, and I mean, our body makes water that communicates with salt to release, you know, so crying into water is really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, but I think just, yeah, just being, having that like first thing in the morning, acknowledging the journey that the water took to arrive to your tap or however you receive the water and then speaking to that water, singing to the water, saying thank you, saying I'm sorry, saying I love you, whatever you wanna say and then, and then drinking it. Um, being just mindful of every kind of interaction with water, especially now, I mean, we don't know what's gonna happen in the future, but you know, again we have the same water that we always had so um it's it's precious you know and then um fire is so powerful this is our um witness like fire is our um our, our first storyteller i believe because we all sat around the fire at some point danced around the fire and we were all together um no matter what our relationships were at some point we were all together with the fire and that's what created our our stories mm -hmm. our mythologies how we how we told each other who we were and i believe that witness is still here with us so whenever we um, light a match or kind of summon that divinity which is fire acknowledging that too, the power of that. And maybe just sitting with a candle or sitting, if you have the ability to sit with a fire and just look at it, mm -hmm. just listen to it and just sort of um, not have any expectations around it, but just be with it. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth element air um, is, I think, probably the most powerful ways, well, cooking is really wonderful because the aromas um, are kind of, you know, sent out to, to the other realms, right? Um, same thing with smoke, um, burning a plant or something as, as an offering, um, and also for protection. Um, and then singing, singing, chanting, um, those are so powerful to work with air in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's also nervous system uh, care. Mm -hmm. mm. 
I'm curious about, as you're saying everything, it sounds like a lot of it is like, I guess for just it, even just taking like one step into this space is like just being present with the space, like seeing how my body feels in this space. Like what is it, re- how does it react to it? Are there any things that like I should be mindful of as I'm like, you know, starting to be present with these different elements? Mm. No, I think that it really, if it feels right to you, then that's right. If it feels weird or forced, Mm. then I, you know, then it's not for you because there's not one way. Um, This is so deeply personal, you know, it's the most personal (laughs) place we could go, you know. Um, So I don't, yeah, I don't think that there's anything but just note, like you're saying, noticing, being aware being mindful and and if it doesn't feel right then maybe changing that um but not forcing anything because you think it has to be a certain way or you think that if you do xyz that then you're going to get a a result it's not linear Mm -hmm. i think our brains are so hardwired to think of things linear linearly and i know something that's helped me that i can share um is my ancestral altar and as you were speaking through the different elements, I'm realizing that part of the creation of that altar for myself was having each of those elements present. I offer food, I offer water, I offer incense, um, and I offer you know a plant or something that's sort of on the altar. And I don't know, for those people that don't know what an ancestral altar is, Cara, could you kind of provide a little bit of context for what, what that practice is, is for and how someone could set one up? Sure. And cross culture, you know, across the cultures, there's lots of different ways people do this, but generally um, there's, uh, if it's a specific ancestor altar, there might be photographs of the ancestors or objects of theirs that, uh, that we have. Um, but really, I think just having the elements is a way to work with the ancestors like um, like you were saying, just having a little cup of water, um, something that's an offering of, yeah, plant or food or, or earth mm-hmm. uh, or sand or whatever um, is part of that relationship that you want to tend to with these, with these people. And maybe you knew them in this life and maybe you didn't. You know, maybe this is for your parents or your grandparents or it could be for ancestors that are so far back we don't know their names but but we honor them and acknowledge them and f- still feel them mm-hmm. in our bodies so it um ancestor altars don't have to be elaborate they can be they're amazing especially like in the month of october for dia de los muertos or all souls and all saints day you know many cultures like um have these amazing beautiful um ofrendas and you know altars but um, they don't have to be like that. They can just be really simple. Mm-hmm. I think that my practice with my altar over time has really changed. It started out to be something really simple. And I think as I've grown in my awareness and deepened my understanding of these these different parts of my connection, it's it's grown to be more robust and to be more representative of me. I think at the beginning I was worried, like, am I doing it right? Do I have it set up right? Am I, you know, am I doing it enough times? And I had to kind of let go of some of that feeling of it being perfect or the control around it and just let it, let it kind of be and see where that felt. And 
I know for me, the more connected I am to myself and, and more aware I am of my daily life, the more connected I feel to my altar. When I get really busy and stressed out and I have less time to stop and be present and do my journaling and these different things, I lose connection to my altar too. And I'm so grateful for this conversation, Cara, because it's reminding me that as of late, I have been very disconnected and that I have lost a lot of connection to these parts of myself, to this history within me because I've been stressed out about what's directly in front of me. Um, and I know that I am not as healthy when I'm in that place. I mm. don't feel, I don't catch on to things that are going on within me as quickly when I'm disconnected like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I appreciate this because it's, it's so easy to run to the supermarket and grab some flowers and, and smell them and make a food that feels comforting and familiar. Like these are not inaccessible things. There are things that we can make a little tweak and we can easily reintegrate that into our life again and, and, and bring us back into a state of connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I think I, I absolutely relate with what you're saying. I notice that I feel off if I'm not, um, if I'm not connected, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that, you know, Right now, you know, we're in the second week of March and, you know, the war in Ukraine has been going on for about two weeks now. And so, you know, it seems like a good time to bring this up where I know with my clients, I think Sarah's experiences too, where our clients are coming in and they're struggling. You know, it's like after two years of COVID, you know, we're, we finally thought we're going to have like a summer that's been the most normal summer that we've had or the most normal spring. And then all of a sudden this sort of, um, this war starts to begin and people start to get afraid again. And one of my clients, you know, so poignantly brought up that she sometimes is on TikTok and she'll be watching like a Ukraine invasion video of watching, you know, a woman and her children trying to flee while bombs are going off. And then the next video that pops up is a cute dog. And then the next video that pops up is, you know, here's an Amazon find to redo your kitchen. And then the next video is another Ukraine invasion video. And I think like when she said that to me, I had an aha moment in our session where I was like, I'm going through that too. And mm-hmm. I'm dissociating and then I'm flooded and I'm dissociating and then I'm flooded. And I'm losing connection to the things right in front of me that keep me connected because I'm flooded of, of all the things that are going on. And I, I guess I'm just, I'm kind of presenting this kind of, you know, thing that we're all going through to you and, and kind of curious, like, what do we do with this? What, what can we do? What, what would you recommend? Well, I'm in it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, I think that this collective, you know, experience, I mean, we're always experiencing things collectively, but we're really, we have been the last several years, um, more than ever, at least that we that we know of recorded. Um, I think part of it is just that our nervous systems are not, um, they haven't caught up yet to that. We're not wired to be receiving information 24 seven that puts our nervous system to a place where there's, there's perceived danger, whether it's real or not. And this can also include watching violent films. Our nervous system doesn't know mm-hmm. that when we're watching it, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. We're still going through. It doesn't mean that it's the same as if we were actually experiencing this violence, but there's a perceived threat. 
And so when we're when when we're when we're watching the news and we're seeing invasions and we're seeing, you know, across all over the world, people hurting and being, um, you know, just it's just so it's just too much for our nervous systems to um, take on. It's just we haven't caught up. And I think that um, it really comes down to like nervous system regulation and support. And the ways that I would recommend doing that um, are working with plants. Absolutely. There's nervines, which are a group of plants. We've grouped them into this, um, this group called nervines. And those are the plants that communicate with our nervous system. It doesn't take away the stress or what our nervous system um, perceives, but it helps with the way that uh, we can come back to regulation, right? Wow. So I need to have some of those in my office. Can you, can you give me some examples well, I mean, of what those are? That, like, examples would be lavender, ah. rosemary, lemon balm. That makes sense why um, they're called their vines now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and um, there's many different ones, but those are three that I think are really wonderful, especially lavender and rosemary. Um, and not everyone likes lavender. So um, it's, you know, it's also very um, personal, but nervines um, are usually very safe ways to, to help us kind of drop into that place. And so that's why aromatherapy can be so powerful and taking a bath with um, a scent that's, it's very relaxing, to, relaxing can be so powerful. Um, so I would recommend working with nervines, having teas that are nervous system um, support. Tulsi is a wonderful herb um, that's an adaptogen, actually. Adaptogens are another group of plants that we um, talk about for adapting to stress. Again, they don't take it away, <laughs> but they help us. And these are not replacements for pharmaceuticals. Um, I'm not saying that at all. I think they can, you know, sometimes they can be work worked together, worked with together, but um, so I would say plants and then also other ways to to do nervous system resets would be like breath work and vagus nerve stimulation, mm -hmm. things like that. Also being mindful of how much we do pay, not that we should be paying attention. I'm not saying we should turn away to what's happening in the world. I think we should know and be active to change the things that are wrong, but also not allowing like allowing ourselves to take a break and not have a 24 seven. Yeah. Newsreel kind of going. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And social media has made that really hard. Yeah. It's such an interesting time because for the first time in history, we can watch a war play out on TikTok. I mean, <sighs> I mean, think about that. It's just, it's, you can get access to it 24 hours a day if you choose. And so I think that it's, I agree with you. Like I, I want to be informed and I want to know what's going on. But I think part of it is like, I need to give myself permission. We all need to give ourselves mm -hmm. permission to take a break and take a bath and put it down. But I think, you know, phones are, are so wonderful and so problematic. There, there's such an addictive component to phones. And, you know, I don't know that we've ever said this on a podcast episode before, but the, when we stare at a phone and we dissociate, we go into the part of our brain that allows us to numb out. We go into the dorsal vagal part of our brain and that is a numbing quality. And our body numbs us to protect us, right? It numbs us when we're flooded. 
But I think what's happened is that we go from being totally flooded on one end to totally dissociated on the other end. And all that space in between, we live there a whole lot less. Mm -hmm. And I know when I have time outside or I'm connecting with my altar or I'm visiting with friends and laughing, I'm in that space in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. That's what kind of keeps us online and our brains and our social engagement system and feeling connected and attuned to ourselves and the people around us. And I think that we live less in that space than we used to. And I love what you're saying or that plants are an easy way to reconnect into that space in between these two extremes. Plants can be the answer to a piece of that. Yeah. 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 And hopefully, I mean, hopefully we can, we can be with plants like rosemary and lavender that are easily accessible mm -hmm. and sustainable. These are not endangered plants. These are not over harvested plants. These are plants that are um, easy to grow, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that's also another part is like, it doesn't have to be um, something that's, that's, exotic you know <laughs> we, we can't just access it mm -hmm. you know easily hopefully what's great for us is rosemary grows naturally here it's like a very drought tolerant plant yeah. so in el paso mm. many people have rosemary growing in their yards as part of their like decor of their yard and so it's incredibly accessible for us here and in new mexico they grow a lot of lavender there's lavender mm -hmm. fields in new mexico so for us sort of people listening that are regional to us we have access to those plants very very easily um mm, yeah so it's it's that's a great resource i think for our area of the world absolutely thank you Good. for sharing that i think any any information that kind of helps like as a guide to be able to say okay well this is where you can go next is is really helpful especially like i was saying earlier for me as like as a beginner in this like beginner level <laughs> so i appreciate that yeah absolutely yeah. So for a, for a new beginner car, like as we wrap up today, you know, are there, you know, questions or kind of curiosities that you'd offer to people like as a place to begin or, you know, is it like scheduling a session with someone like you who does these ancestral, um, you know, sessions, like where would you suggest that someone start if they really connect with this episode and they want to know more, what would you suggest their next steps are? Well, um, Music and food are two places and plant, well, three places, music, food, and plants, I think, um, because there's a lot of information in all three of those aspects. There's a lot of information in our folk tales, a lot of information in our arts, our folk art. I've got a cat here. <laughs> That's okay. He might start meowing. That's okay. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that music is really, really powerful um, for us to just have him sit on my lap. It's an old man. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, you, I do sessions with people one-on-one, -on -one, which um, is not me channeling people's ancestors. You know, it's, it's me helping, as you know, um, just guiding into um a deeper hopefully deeper place to um to go and depend you know depending on um how people's relationships are with their ancestors you know sometimes it's very painful 
And so I would definitely recommend somatic therapy, talk therapies, you know, to go along with ancestral work because um, I, I just think that feel like that's a big, big piece to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a part of like this being witnessed, our stories being witnessed, the energy being witnessed. Um, so yeah, I think food finding out what your ancestors ate what they listened to so powerful Mm -hmm. I know one of the questions that I often ask clients if like a relative has passed away recently I'll ask them have you dreamed about them Mm. and I find that so often people have and they have shared it with no one and I always find that so curious of I think people are having these connections on the regular and they're just not sure how to talk to other people about it. And Mm -hmm. so I, I always, I always want to empower people that if, if you feel a connection and you're not sure how to name it or you're not sure what it is, or you're, you're dreaming of a loved one that's, that's died recently to, to not quiet that, right. Cause there's some deep message that I think is coming through and, I found so much healing from my clients and just witnessing their dreams about the, their Absolutely. loved one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because dreams are so important in that and tell us so much mm-hmm. that we're just not maybe open to in the waking time, yeah. waking world, you know, that we have to just like, um, like you were talking about earlier, whatever's in front of us that we have to just finish in the, during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our, the dream, world allows us to 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 enter that space mm-hmm. yeah. um oh my gosh i'm sorry my it's cat. okay um, um it's it's so interesting i was really lucky that my grandparents passed away in the fall of 2019 and i was really lucky because i had some mentors that were involved in my life at the time that helped me i, I visited him my grandfather a, a couple um a couple days before he passed away and his condition was so interesting because he lost his ability to speak. He was a man that ruled with his words and was very domineering. And in the last two months of his life, he had a tumor and, and could not speak at all. And so he could only listen, which was unlike anything he'd ever experienced in his whole life. And it was so karmic and it was so hard and painful to watch. And I had some friends who said, go and sit with him and, and read to him, sing to him, you know, help, help him feel safe and comforted. And I was so grateful for their guidance. And he came to me a lot in my dreams during that time. We were sleeping in the same house because he, he died in his, um, in our family's kind of farmhouse that's everyone's gone to visit their whole lives. He wanted to mm-hmm. die there. And so I was sleeping upstairs and he was downstairs. And for three nights in a row that I was there, I dreamed of him every night and he would talk to me in my dreams and but he couldn't talk to me in real life and it was the strangest thing i've ever been through in my whole life and i and there wasn't a lot of people that i could talk to about it because they just weren't able to be present in that experience that i was having but i had this this group of people that just said you know keep talking to him keep singing to him you know read him poems like send him off with love you know and it, i'm so grateful that i had that kind of guidance because I think we can offer people so much at the end in, in their transition. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just such a, such a beautiful experience and, and so sad and just a lot of emotion going through that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful and, and intense, yeah. I'm sure. 
but I love that you were, were open, you know, they were open mm -hmm. to receive that the advice that your friends gave you and also open in your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of my, my like, you know, I guess offering to, to anyone listening is just to, is to allow yourself to turn towards and open towards that instead of shutting it down as I think so often we want to do or we feel like it's not acceptable or it's it's weird to be having these dreams. And um, in fact, I think it's quite the opposite. It's beautiful and it's a gift. Mm -hmm. I do too. I do too. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I think a huge takeaway for me today has been to just create, allow yourself to create a space to connect with things that you know, are, are, are not typically things that I have made space to connect with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great takeaway. Yeah, that's beautiful. <clears throat> exactly. Making, just making a space, making a space within you and around you. And also around you. Around you yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. That's so that's awesome. Beautiful. And so if our, if our community, uh, can you tell us where they can find you if they are interested in, in making, having a session with you, where, where can they go? Yeah, sure. So I have a website and my business is called Chimaruta Remedies. Uh, Chimaruta is an Italian folk charm. Um, Ruta is the plant rue in Italian. Um, so my website is Chimaruta Remedies and it's spelled C-I-M-A-R-U-T-A remedies.com. Um, and my handle of Instagram is the same thing, Chimaruta Remedies. And I see people one-on-one -on -one, uh, for herbalism, like just like an herbal consult. Um, and then also the ancestral connection sessions. And you can make those appointments online and they're through Zoom. They're uh, online right now. And um, yeah, I teach classes right now. Um, I'm planning on going to Sicily this summer and holding um, through a really wonderful um, group of people, bringing folks to Sicily and working with plants there with Sicilians and also um, those of us who are going to be facilitating it. And um, so, yeah, that's what I do. That's awesome. And I think I saw, Cara, I get your newsletter and I think I saw you have like a series that you can purchase as well. Is that right? Um, I don't remember what it was about, but oh, it was in your newsletter. Yeah, I just offer it's available right now. Um, it's kind of a lot of what we just were talking about, like collective adrenal fatigue, you know, and this um, term adrenal fatigue. Some people don't acknowledge it or not, but whatever we want to call it, it's collective exhaustion. Mm -hmm. It's collective stress um, of everything that's been that we've been receiving. Um, so that's something that's pre-recorded. People can, it's $20 and it's videos of me talking about stress and plants and um, the nervous system mm -hmm. and just taking care of ourselves. Um, yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Sarah and I are, are big proponents of adrenal fatigue. We both have been going through that the last couple okay. of years. So we might need to okay. take your course okay. because, and yeah. 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 And this one's also specifically was, um, there's this big piece to it, which is like for neurodivergent people. Mm, okay. Um, and that kind of cross section, which is a whole nother subject, but, Beautiful. um, yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. And 
helping, you know, for us to create a space for others to be able to understand the importance of this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to speak with both of you. Definitely. Well, thank you. And um, hopefully we can see you soon. And maybe sometime you can come back and be another guest on our show and share another beautiful offering. So thank you so much, Cara. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are grateful to Kara for expanding our awareness of how to create a space to connect with ourselves through our ancestors. We encourage you to take a step towards creating your space by choosing one of the plants, elements, or rituals that Kara discussed. And remember, like she said, there is no right or wrong way to do this. It's all about following what feels right to you. If you know someone who would love this episode, please take a moment and share this with them. As always, you can find us on Instagram at, I, at Healing with Purpose Pod. We also linked all of Kara's information in the show notes. And so we'll be back in two weeks with another great episode. See you soon.